the Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Colombia, and welcome to the final edition of the Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Harrion. Alongside me is Michael Imami and Logan Franz. And guys, what a semester it has been. This is the final show we'll be doing all this semester, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we will be back in the same slot next one. I mean, it's been a ride. Yeah, I'm trying not to cry over here, um, <laughs> so can we ease up on the happiness? Come on. Can we ease up on the happiness? Yeah. It's been one of those <laughs> years where it's, it's been such a good oh, yeah. semester uh, for us. No question. Uh, I've enjoyed the heck out of this show. It's been amazing, and I'd love to keep the same spot if we're fortunate enough to do that uh, next semester. Um, just very, very pumped up for today. Hopefully our last show is our best show. It's been a great ride, and I'm ready to see what next semester holds for us. It's been a ride. It's going to be an even better one next semester. Sure has, and I've had fun. I've enjoyed debating about numerous things with y'all, especially yeah. when it comes to the weather. Oh, yes, Since the weather still has not made up its mind whether it wants to be spring or feel like winter. I feel like it just wants to spite us. Like It's like, oh, Friday, you guys are going to step outside, and it's going to be the worst. So I feel like it's lived up to that. We've had one day that has been actually nice on the way over here. And that was last week. It was last week. Yes, it was. I can vouch for that because I did not complain. Actually, was I complaining about how hot it was last week? No. You're always complaining about something. I don't know what exactly it was this time. Yeah. I think you're just like it wasn't as good as it could have been, which is kind of strange. But I mean, you I were... thought I thought I was arguing that it was too warm or something like that. I forget. I, I can't remember half the things I said I mean, like three days ago. It's been so. it's been well documented that you're just the crazy old man of the show. Yeah, the yeah. Grumpy old man yeah, grumpy old man sits yes. in the corner and finds something to yell about. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. Alright, with that, we're we're gonna we're gonna go and actually go into sports like we're supposed to do now. And that we're gonna talk about probably for us, the most important thing that's going on right now, and that is the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. And we're going to break this into two segments here. We're going to talk about the East, Eastern Conference Finals, and we're going to talk about the Western Conference Finals. So we're going to go first with the East because that's what happened last night. In case you didn't know, Hurricanes lost their first game 5-3 to three against the Boston Bruins in a game that just kind of fell apart in the third period. I will quote John Tortorella because he did say this about the Rangers a while back. Sometimes the scoreline does not accurately show um, how the game went. And I think 5-2 to two to me does not accurately show how the game went. Uh, obviously, we all know, and if you watch the game, I know the two of you guys did. I don't know about any of our listeners, but the, you know, in, in watching the game, the Canes did have a 2-1 lead. Um, and then that kind of just collapsed after the empty net shot, and then obviously had the breakaway goal, uh, which made it 5-2 after it was 3-2 uh, to two Bruins, all this transpiring in the third period. So I think if you're Boston right now, you have to be feeling good. If you're Carolina, I really would kind of try and bounce back from this. I don't think it's that devastating of a loss. I think they can just have some time to regroup. They're obviously their win streak has ended, but in my opinion, um, Carolina seems like the team that's going to be the team that rebounds right now. Yeah, you said the scoreline doesn't accurately reflect it, and I think that's 100% true. In fact, I think Carolina played the better game than Boston for a majority of this game. Yeah. And I think that's something that if you're a Bruins fan, you're looking at and you can see, and that's something that's got to worry you a little bit. If you're a Hurricanes fan, that's something you can kind of hang your hat on and be like, okay, we played a better game, now we just need to actually finish and not fall apart. I mean, there was there, there was one thing that confused me a lot during the game is, I know it was two minutes around, like two and a half minutes left, I believe they took the goalie out a little too early. Um, I think... I I mean, they were down by one. They were down by one. And they pulled the goalie with three minutes or something like that. Was it three minutes? It was around two and a half. It was two and a half. Yeah, I thought that so was To me, fine. I, I would have waited another, like, 45, I, I would, 50 I seconds. I probably would have waited around to, like, 140. Yeah. If it was a regular season game, I probably would have. But the way I see it in a playoff game, you want as much time with that extra attacker on the ice as you can get. So you have more time to score. It's a little more risky in the sense that they also have more time for you to screw up and then score the empty net goal. But I think being aggressive in that situation is 100% fine. What I do think the problem is, um, and, and again, and I mean, you could, we can agree and disagree on when the goalie should have been pulled. I personally think that they should have waited at least another 30 to 45 seconds before they did it. I felt like they pulled him too early. And the other thing was is that um, I feel like Boston seemed to have outplayed them 
very, very heavily just for a short, very, very short amount of time. I, I would say they all put him in the third period. Well, no, I, don't, I wouldn't say the entire third period because I think Carolina hung with them well. They were still able to maintain the lead. Um, and then Boston kind of came back in like the last like a few minutes and were able to really kind of you know put together some some quality shots. But I think the thing that worries me about Carolina, what makes me skeptical about picking them to be uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals, is that um, I just saw this absolute colossal breakdown with them, and I'm worried that that's going to happen again because it did not take Boston long to come right back and answer um, late in the third period with, you know. Four unanswered. Four unanswered. So, to me, that worries me if I'm a Carolina fan right now, I'm just going to say. Here's the thing. Like I said, I think Carolina outplayed Boston in this game. Um, Boston only had 27 shots. Carolina had 31 so, I mean, it's not a huge difference, but I feel like Boston took advantage of a lot of the miscues that happened for Carolina. They seem like they're on and the I power think, play forever, though. I think if Boston you're, did. I think when you're looking at the rest of the series, I'm not expecting Boston to always be able to take advantage of those miscues. I feel like Carolina looked like the better team. They just had a couple screw-ups, and Boston was able to recognize that and take control. So, I don't know. I still think Carolina will win the series. I think they're the better team overall in Boston. Here's here's my problem with that, um, and I to some extent I do agree with you, Logan. The issue that I have with that is is that Carolina's got to be. I mean, it, it, the power play, the amount of times that Boston was on the power play in that third period, for, it, it seemed like it was almost unacceptable. I mean, they had so many opportunities to score um, score with an extra man on the ice. Um, to me, I think if Carolina wants another chance in this series and has to rebound, they have got to play more discipline than the way they played. Um, last night, particularly with um, how they played in the third period. And it doesn't just go with the penalties. It also goes with how the defense needed to tighten up. Um, to some extent, I disagree with pulling the goalie that early. Um, you and I can obviously disagree on that. I think that they should have played it safe. Then again, I know I've been wrong about playing things safe before. So um, I guess it's a hit or miss uh, in hockey, knowing how unpredictable this game is. But yeah, I think the defense needs to tighten up and they need to play more discipline if they want a shot. I think that discipline will come with the following games too. Sometimes players get a little antsy in these kind of games, but it's really just kind of however it happens, happens with the power play. I'm not expecting a power play every game. I could see an entire game where you get where you go without a power play. It could just be a thing where this is like they haven't been there. They're kind of that, you know, Cinderella team, and they're kind of nervous, and they just need to kind of get settled into the series. This could be another thing. This, this game may not even accurately show or portray how Carolina is going to play in this series. So, um, you know, I mean, I know you said they outplayed him in the first game. They still lost 5-2. to two. You don't know how game two is going to go. It could be 5-2 to two Carolina. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, hockey is a very, very unpredictable sport, and that's part of what makes it so great. So, you know. It's weird because I've been watching Carolina, and they don't have a lot of, like, top-tier talent, I would say. They just kind of have a lot of guys that are pretty good. And I look at Boston, and they do have a lot of top-level talent. But they so, play so well together, though. I yeah. Mean, I feel like Mrazek looked like a better goalie than we thought what he was in that series. I, th I think that, um, uh, you know, the team was able to really kind of gel together and was able to pull things off that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to put off, pull off. This reminds me of one of those teams that's like you don't expect them. They don't have, like, the top-tier talent um, for skaters, but they're able to kind of make some noise based upon the plays that they're able to set up and the quality of shots that they're able to set up, and I think that comes with great coaching as well. Um, and I think Carolina is very, very well coached in that sense. So I will give credit to them for that. And I think that they kept their heads up, and I think they're going to need to keep their heads up for the rest of the series. And if they, you know, if they want a chance against Boston, that's what they're going to have to do. But limiting those penalty minutes are so important, and I cannot stress that enough for the discipline if they want to have a chance in this series. Yeah, uh, Carolina did have 10 penalty minutes in this entire game. And we saw how good Boston was on the power play. Yeah. I think the same goes for Carolina. They were very good. This was a very good game in terms of power plays in general. There was one power play where Carolina had five shots in the two minutes they had. So power play is going to be a big factor in this series because both teams are very strong on the power play. We saw that last night. And that's that's sort of the whole, the whole idea of what, Michael, you said earlier about discipline. Both of these teams... Well, then, not not as much Boston, but I would say more Carolina needs to work on their discipline. Because there was some very, I mean, some of the calls last night, people will argue they're a little bit question, questionable on some roughing calls or interference, stuff like that. I mean, I really didn't see anything that made me think all that much 
in the other way, there was maybe one play that I found a little confusing, and that was after the hit on uh, Sveshkinov, there was the, I believe, a roughing call. And I mean, I didn't see it. That was strange to me because they called the penalty on the Hurricanes, and it wasn't related to what had happened. It, se- it seemed like it was some something after the play that made that penalty get called. But yeah, I thought that that hit on Svechkinov should have been a penalty. I mean, he did try to keep himself off, and he did, but he he still was open open ice hit on a guy without the puck. I I, I saw I saw on the replay, and this is this is all over Twitter last night. There was a lot of people looking at slow motion of the play, and I saw that Sveshkinov moved. He changed direction, I guess. That was like, that's what the people on Twitter were saying. That's why they didn't call it a penalty, because he moved into him. It wasn't like he was completely blindsided. Now, granted, it did look like a really bad hit. I probably would have called it a penalty. There were a lot of really bad hits in this game, and a lot of them were on purpose. And I will say, um, I don't know if it was, I, I'm not going to call out anybody specifically here. I don't know if it was David Backus, so I'm not going to say it was David Backus, but there was somebody on the Bruins, I believe, was it was it number 57, that who was the one where they you had that, that goal that was scored that made it 2-1 well, they were Hurricanes. Uh, holding, holding down the guy's holding head. Holding down the guy's head, and I thought it was like he just ran into him, but, I mean, you could just see it. They showed it on the replay, just him pounding his his, his hand, putting his, his head on the ice, completely unnecessary. Um, and I, f- I feel like we saw that a lot more with Boston this game than we did with Carolina. Um, so I think that there were some unsportsmanlike moments in there from Boston that needed to be called out and needed to be corrected. Because particularly in this series, um, I don't know about you guys, I'm not a particular, I'm not a huge fan of fighting in hockey. I don't like dirty play, even though I, you know, Tom Wilson and the Capitals, I, I you guys make fun of me for this, but seriously, I mean, this, this stuff, I mean, this we're, we're in the conference finals here. This stuff has got to stop. And you know what? If the officials don't get, you know, tight on it and don't, don't you know, kind of make sure that this stuff put a, put a um, you know, put a, put a wrap on this, then it's going to be a problem. And I think Boston, if they can get away with more, I think they'll do it again. Yeah, there was a lot of extracurriculars going on here where they were just kind of holding down players after the hit. And I feel like that does need to be fixed. They're that boarding guys. They're shoving guys into the bench. I mean, this is a very, very, very uh, see, rough see the problem first with game. That is, is that you got. I know it, it's it's the conference finals. Everyone's going out for each other. These guys are going to keep hitting each other harder. These are probably gonna be the biggest hits you see all year. I understand that. Cup. Yeah, I, I understand that, and I, and I think that that comes with the territory in hockey. But the thing is, is that I think, and, and I'm not a fan of of officials getting involved in games. But I think when you have spe- specifically with that, you cannot, you know, pin a guy to the ice like that. I mean, that's just it, it, it was just so unacceptable. I just watched the replay, and I and I I swear I, I thought that you know he just ran into him, but I I just saw it. It was just so unnecessary. It was completely uncalled for, and I think that you know I, I would hope that officials, when they see this, they would call it out because to me, you know, th- this is this is the focal point of the series right here. I mean, guys, if 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 guys get hurt, and we saw how big of an impact it made on Colorado and losing that game with losing McKinnon, and that wasn't on a dirty play, but they, he was out for ten minutes. And, you know, people were saying, could have Colorado won this game versus San Jose if he had been in there? And that just goes to show you, if players are hurt, it can have a huge impact on how the series goes. So I would expect officials to really kind of, you know, take the reins here and, and make sure that this stuff stops because this this is unacceptable at this point. And if, if they do take the route of trying to stop these hits, it's going to have a lot of backlash to it. Backlash? I think yeah. I'm a huge it's, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be more that thing of well if they're calling all the penalties now, why weren't you calling them the entire season? Why don't well, we do it now? I'm a huge supporter of referees. I like clean hockey where and I know again, I know I'm I, I'm a fan of a team that has Tom Wilson on it. I get it. Um but even when the playoffs started, Tom Wilson explicitly stated that this stuff was gonna stop and the coach and him had a conference and this was this was gonna stop. And so at this point I think that it, everything kind of with this has to stop because we're at the point in the season in hockey where everything matters, and a lot of this nonsense with the fighting has got to got to stop. I'm a huge supporter in letting them play, but I feel like when you're doing that kind of stuff, there there needs to be a line drawn eventually. I'm all for you know having a fight and getting the fans into it, and I'm all for some big hits because that's what the sport entails. But when you're pinning people down on the ice after a hit. That's when a line needs to be drawn. That's that should have been called. 
I, I agree with you. It's just if you start calling hits that would be legal throughout the the regular season, there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of controversy. I completely understand. That. I think I really do. When you have the best refs in the game doing these playoff series, I think that's fine. If you're gonna see ones that aren't necessarily called in the regular season but are called here, I think that just seems kind of normal. You have the better crew of referees on the ice, so they're gonna make the calls that should be made that the other ones necessarily wouldn't during the regular season. All right. We got a couple more minutes to talk about the East. So, hero of the series. Oh. Who do you think will make the biggest impact in the following games? Logan, you're first. Okay, my hero of the series prediction is Tavo Teravainen of the Carolina Hurricanes. He's had six goals and three assists in the 11 games he's played. He is an 18.8 shooting percentage, which, I mean, granted, it's a small amount of shots because it's been only 11 games. But he has been playing fantastic in the past, throughout the playoffs. But he's been kind of under the radar, and I think I expect him to break out this series, get some more numbers on that score sheet. He he understands the pressure. He was a player on the Stanley Cup winning Blackhawks back in 2015. So he understands what it's like to play in this kind of environment, and I expect him to to break out this series. Um, honestly, right now, if I'm Carolina... I have to go with their head coach. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Rod Brindamore? How do you pronounce his name? I don't know off the top of my head how to pronounce his name. Not uh, sure. It's Rod Brindamore or something like that. Um, yeah, it's not a player. Uh, it's a coach. And the reason why I say it's the coach is because this goes back to the discussion that you and I were having earlier, Logan. Um I don't think that Carolina has the top-tier talent in this series, but I certainly think they have the better ability to make plays. How does that happen? That happens with great coaching. And I think that there's no question about it, and I'm not even – I'm not. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I do think that Craig Berube is the best coach left out of all of these teams. But the thing that I like about Rod Brindamore is, is that he's able to make plays with guys that otherwise wouldn't be able to do it, I think, if they weren't together on, on different teams. And so if this guy has this ability to draw plays up, he can certainly make things happen late in games. And I think that this is going to be a focal point for the Carolina Hurricanes to see if they can get something going because they took care of the Islanders in four games. And they had a very, very – and New York had a very, very talented goaltender. And for them to beat them the way they did with players that were not considered top-tier talent uh, in the league and they didn't have exactly the A-plus skating – um, on the ice, that to me is incredible. So I think that comes with good coaching. I think the coach is going to have a huge impact on the series. It reminds me a lot of Vegas, the Golden Knights with Gerard Gallant. They kind of had a lot of not guys who had never really proved themselves on an NHL roster before, and he came out and they played incredible in their inaugural season. So right. it kind of reminds me, it's kind of reminiscent of that to me. Yeah. So I've mentioned my hero's name numerous times the past couple shows. I'm going to stick with them. Andre Sveshkinov, my favorite player to watch in the Hurricanes, came back with a concussion. After getting a concussion in the first round, came back in the second round and played pretty good. Got an assist in the final game with the Islanders. And he also got a point in last night's game as well. Now, granted, if he is not hurt after the hit because he was taken off the ice, I believe he comes back and fuels this team to play to the caliber they did against the Islanders. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder for not only being taken out by Ovechkin in the first round, but also that hit that happened on him last night. I see a scenario where he comes in with a chip on his shoulder, he's not happy, and he could definitely help lead this team to the victory in the series. I'll tell you, after last night, I think everybody on this team has a chip on their shoulder. I mean, I think that everybody kind of counted this team out, and I'll give credit where credit is due. Um, and even though I was, I'm was, i a Capitals fan and I was cheering on the Capitals in the first round, um, I think that Carolina really kind of came in there, and you have to respect that. You really do. You have to respect that, you know, so many people were betting against them. So many people thought that Washington would just kind of, you know, you know, would just take over that series. But they didn't, and Carolina kept fighting back, and they kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. And that's a team that you really kind of have to look at and be like, you know what? You deserve to be here because everybody counted you out, and you worked your rear end off to get here, and you've got a, a great coach, and you've got – you know, you've been able to make plays that most people thought that you wouldn't be able to make. And they've done a lot of great things in this series, and there's no question about it. Underdogs, for sure, and I think they're going to prove a, a point. I've said throughout these playoffs that they're a bunch of jerks, but they're a lovable bunch of jerks. Yeah. They're so fun to watch play, and they're just a great team. You, lo you love to see players that have fun. 
and it's, it's just nice to watch. I have one final question, and it's going to be quick. We're going to go around the table here. How many games does series go? Who's your winner? Carolina in seven. Carolina in seven. Jeez, we're all going to be the same. Carolina in seven. It's, I'm, I, I that gotta, wasn't hard. I feel like I'm going to... I'm going to curse it. I don't want to. I don't think anybody here does. It's a super close series, and I like to see all of us kind of cheering on the Hurricanes here. But, yeah, it's it's a really equal series, and we saw that last night. It's not going to be an easy task for either team to and come hey, out with the win. And, hey, if Carolina wins the whole thing, Washington doesn't look bad, so it's a win-win for me. They'll still have more cups than you, though. Well... <laughs> and with we're that, happy, we're content and, with what happened last year. And with that, we're going to head off to break. We come back, we're going to break down the Western Conference final. You're listening to Hot Corner on KCOU 88.1 FM. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Harbin. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. Guys, they don't get... I'm going to call a Western Conference something. I'm going to call it the Wild Wild West. Oh. <laughs> I am getting looks of just anger. Oh, my anger goodness gracious. I mean, it's it's not even like it's St. Louis it's and California San Jose. I don't know. St. Louis. You're talking this about not the Wild Jose, Wild West. That's about as least Wild West as you can no, get. I'm meaning how the playoffs was gone. That could have applied to last series, though. St. Louis Two and Dallas. Sevens. San Jose comes on top. The Blues win in overtime. Insane. That that's enough to call. It no, that's crazy West. enough. I mean, yeah, it is kind of wild. It's it's the wild west. Speaking um, of wild, you know what's wild is that, the, and I don't know if this is like a thing, but Blues fans during the game last week, the game seven against Dallas. I think it was before the first overtime. The entire stadium was singing Take Me Home, Country Roads by John Denver. Does anyone know if that's a thing they actually do? Like, is that a tradition or I've something? Only, I've only noticed it in the last couple games. And I know I saw uh, during during the last uh, series with Boston, they were they were singing uh, uh, Living on a Prayer. I think that it's like the thing with Play Gloria with them. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a tradition of theirs. I have to look into it. Um, but I, I don't know because Play Gloria or uh, kind of just started out this with this year with the, kind of the whole thing. It's just like that's the popular eighty song. That started from the locker room. They started someone played it, right? And they started going on a winning streak. Is this like the Rats thing with Florida, where like everybody was just kind of like rallied around the Rats? And you have that. And right now in Boston, there's a player on the on the Bruins. His name has escaped me, but he'll uh, sacrifice a stick before heading out to the ice. He'll hit it against the wall and break it. Yeah. And that's kind of gotten that's their thing now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed kind of strange to me. I guess, like, I guess I had this idea in my head of, like, someone being like, well, it doesn't get any more country than St. Louis, and that's why we're singing that song. And I was like, no, you're wrong. It definitely does. But I don't know. It was just something that kind of struck me as interesting. You know, it is more country than St. Louis. West Virginia. West Virginia. I thought you were going to say some really bad parts. No, no. Um, (laughs) I was expecting it. I've retired. I've retired from that. (laughs) (laughs) I've retired. You never retire from puns. I'm old enough to, definitely, if I'm the dad. Well, you're the dad of the station, so your puns. Yeah, the puns are just. Not of the station, but definitely of our show. Definitely. Oh, I would say the station. Hmm. I don't know about that one. I'd feel I, I feel like I'm 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 the oldest one here, with judging by the amount of. Puns you're only that I come nineteen, up with. but you're all fifty-five in your hearts. <laughs> 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 yep. It's been um, around the block once or twice. I don't know if that's a tradition. Tra- ah, excuse me, tradition of you, a tradition of theirs, Logan. I have to look into that. Um, but that's certainly a, a point of you know something that I've noticed. Definitely, um, you know, when they come back from break, there's just you know, take me home thing going on. 
with the fans and it's like okay oh wow that's the third fourth time i've heard that so it's like okay yeah i think that might be something that they do over there it was something that, for certain. that was really fun to watch 100% i just thought i'd bring it up see if any I of you guys know because i'm so not much. entirely sure I, i'm a huge fan of when uh, the crowd gets into a song or or a chant yeah. at games yeah happens a lot with sweet caroline at literally any sporting event that's just Boston, one, more one of my favorite things mm-hmm. more you see it at hockey Boston. games soccer football Baseball, every sport has it, and it's when you're there and you're part of that. Like I've I've heard, I'll go back here. I'm a Cubs fan. Yeah, I hear "Go Cubs, Go" if I go to a Cubs yeah. game, and how the crowd gets into it is one of the coolest things to be a part of. Maybe when we have a chance, like next, whenever we have a chance to have like less sports to talk about, maybe we should talk about something like that, like favorite sports top fight 10. songs. Yeah. Top, yeah, top ten fight songs. Yeah, what was the like thing in, in we'll save that for the... like uh, a, a, a January show because there's gonna be not much going on. Who was the um, who walked up to your love by the outfield? Uh, Charlie Blackman. Okay, that oh, was because I'll never forget the entire crowd singing. That was just so it was so beautiful. I, I loved it. It was amazing. Anyways, we can get into the hockey now. The actual sport being played. Yeah. Okay. So we have we have two teams here. Two of them, both of them actually, would that make sense? Have never won a Stanley Cup. So whoever comes out of here will have a chance to win their first. Whether it be San Jose or the Blues, the Blues being. <laughs> Not there in 52 years. Also having a winless record in Stanley Cup games, period. Yes. Actually, I'm going to I'm gonna take back my 52 years thing because that's wrong. I'm going to acknowledge I'm was wrong. Was it 1970? Was it yes. the last time they were in it? So. It's that still like. That's like. 49 years. Almost 50. You were close. I was close. You were very, close. very close. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. But San Jose is also number one and. I think this is going to be one of the best series we'll see all year. So um, two teams, both coming off of Game 7 victories. A hot goalie on the Blues, and a team that's just, you can't count them out, coming coming back from 3-1 against the Golden Knights and then winning in Game 7 against uh, the Avalanche. Right. Yeah, there's two sides to this game, and I think it comes with the skaters on San Jose and the goalie on St. Louis. I think that's the big the huge matchup here because St. Louis's lines in general are just less talented. Craig Berube's done a great job of coaching them up, and I think he should definitely win Coach of the Year this year. But you look at San Jose's lines, they've got, you know, Joe Pavelski, Joe Thornton, Logan Kucher. They've got a lot of different players that are very talented, and I think it's going to be Jordan Bennington's biggest test yet here in San Jose. You know, whenever you have Evander Kane out there or uh, Joe Pavelski, who they just got back, you know, to me, this is going to be such a challenge for St. Louis. Um, I, from a neutral standpoint, and I know you guys are, are, you know, Chicago with the Blackhawks, all that, but, um, you know, from what it from what it looks like, especially in this series, St. Louis is the huge underdogs. But the thing that I want to point out, and I was having this discussion with a friend of ours, um, and, and we together we were able to agree that the defense for the Blues is a solid A. Um, you know, but you know, you had Bennington in there. The defensive, you know, matchups. It to me, it just feels like St. Louis is the stronger by a lot, the stronger defensive team. Um, and if they're able to be disruptive to San Jose's attack. Um, who knows what could happen in this series. And if it's low scoring, I'm betting on St. Louis because I'll tell you, when you have a guy named Jordan Bennington who's playing as well as he is, you know, in, in net for you, I firmly believe that St. Louis can pull off something special. And whether it takes seven games, I don't know. But um, if there's one thing for certain, St. Louis is a very good road team. They have the road in the series. Um, they're a very, very strong team um, with Bennington out there. They got Bennington in this series. They've got great defense in this series. Um, and they've got a great coach in Craig Berube. So, you know what? I would not, and I, I'm not surprised, Vegas results came out. Blues are the team to, uh, to beat. Everybody's betting on the Blues. Best odds to win the Cup. Or the Stanley, excuse me. <laughs> you guys are killing me with this. I feel I'm like saying it you're like just you are. wrong. You're I, wrong. I Stanley. feel like this series, I still Stanley. don't know who I want to pick to win it. Like, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm not going to know until the very end. It's going to be one of those things where, like, I can't change it after the series has started, and I've already said who I think is going to win. Like, it's just, it's one that I've been juggling back and forth with many times. I really think it's going to be one of the best series we've seen all year, one of the closest matched, and your guess is as good as mine who's going to win it. I, and one thing I, I found hard is, you know, as a Blackhawks fan, it, it's hard. It's right now. It's hard to root against the Blues. So I know the Blackhawks fans are going to lose our our cup jokes if they do. Did they do in fact win the Stanley Cup this year? But I 
it's hard for me to root against them. They're just, what a story that is. Being in last place in January, and you've made it to the Western Conference Finals. That 12-game win streak was really something else. and it you, really you helped. can't hate them. Yeah, it helped bring up their confidence. It helped propel them higher in the standings. What was their record the second half? It was like 35 and or 30-10 and 5, something ridiculous. I, they went on a huge win streak, um, St. Louis did. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, if you're the Blues right now, you are the hottest team out there right now. You have the best coach out there right now. It is not surprising why the Vegas odds came out in favor of the Blues. Um, and, and obviously, you know, when you look at Boston, you look at St. Louis, to me, those are the two teams that are going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals this year. Because, And I think the Blues have a better shot at winning the Stanley altogether because you have to be able to have that great coach. You have to be able to have that great goalie. You have to be able to have that great defense because defense wins championships. It's the same thing in all sports. And you know what? The Blues are able to defend like nobody else. And when you have that type of matchup against the team, I'm going to bet on you because at the end of the day, I think St. Louis can really frustrate the heck out of San Jose in this series. They really can. What St. Louis does is a thing I like to call they zigged where everyone else zagged. That's kind of the terminology is that they went in a different direction than everyone and they have their game is not necessarily based on like high volume of points, but it's based on having a very good goalie and a very solid defense. It's kind of how their game just works. And I think it's become a problem for teams right. to play against that because they have their game plan based off of the offense and scoring a lot of goals. Yeah. And when they get someone who doesn't necessarily allow that, it causes problems. Yeah, this is not a team that's going to win like 4-3 or 5-1. Or, or this is a team that's going to win one nothing or 2-1. to one. Because the thing is, is that with the lack of offense that they have, they make up for in the great defense that they have. And they have a one heck of a netminder. So you have to be able to kind of look at that and be like, okay, you have Bennington, you have you have the great matchups that you have on defense. San Jose is an A-plus rated skate team, but you know what? If they're able to disrupt the passing lanes and they're able to be able to hit them hard, they're able to essentially disrupt everything that they're able to do. And they're able to take down guys like Kane, Thornton, Pavelski. You know, it, th this is Couture. This is the kind of team that I can see doing that. And I think that this, you know, my money's on St. Louis in seven games because, you know what? This series is so tight, but I think the edge here is with St. Louis because of what they have on defense. Also, about last series, I just feel like we need to give an honorable mention to Ben Bishop in Vesna. game seven. He was insane in that game. 52 saves off of 54 shots. Vesna. That is unreal. He what? was he was the His entire largest team reason. On him. He was the largest reason that Dallas was still in that game and let it go into overtime. He was incredible in that game. That was one of those games that reminds me of the way I play NHL. Oh my goodness. On on my PlayStation. Here we go. With there's 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 a time I averaged around 60 shots a game. And the opposing team's goalie would be a star because they would get, like, 50 saves. <laughs> yeah, that's just something that's unprecedented. It's one of the one of the best performances by a goalie I think I've seen in a long time. I felt so bad for Bishop. Uh, you know, it's just he was so – I mean, I, I really that – that guy deserves nice things. I mean, we can just say that. Uh, you know, it, it, I hope that he gets a really hefty contract because, you know what, the way he played in that game um, – to me, the scoreline doesn't even show. I mean, I know it was two to one, but the scoreline doesn't even show. I mean, that guy, it, <laughs> I can't even talk about. It. I mean, I'm I'm that emotional about it. I mean, he was just so good. I mean, there was no way I can accurately describe it. He was he was ruthless. He was he was tough. He was he was the best goalie in the game. He was he outplayed Bennington, which is not something I've said a lot when the Blues have played somebody. So to do that and to still lose. You feel bad. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie, but at the same time, I would be pretty frustrated with how the Dallas Stars defense played, not including Bishop, because the blue. It seemed like the Blues were on their end of the ice or the just entire game. The rest of the Stars team besides Ben Bishop. I mean, what, what was what was the shot ratio? Was it like two to one? I don't in know favor the of the Blues. I don't know the number, but it was. They had like fifty percent, or they got like um, twice as many shots off. Dallas well, there, there was a time where shots. Dallas only had like. Three shots in the second yeah, period. Yeah, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. You can't have that happen. That's too much to ask of your netminder to be able to do that or goaltender. That is just it's ridiculous. You know the way Bishop played in that game, he deserves nice things. So we have a couple more minutes here. Predictions and hero Logan, your first of the series. I think you'd be remiss not to say Jordan Bennington. 
I think he's the best goalie remaining in the playoffs, and he has been incredible. He's 8-5 and five throughout these playoffs with a .91 save percentage and, .9, and a .936 save percentage at even strength, which is something that obviously you're going to get most shots That's from That's a rookie strength. goalie, by the way. So it's going to kind of skew things, but he's been an insane goalie, and he's been great under pressure throughout this playoffs and as Michael mentioned he's 25 years old he's still very young so he's someone that can be in the Blues cards for the imminent future and beyond. I absolutely love watching Bennington play he's my favorite goalie that I've one of my favorite goalies that I've ever watched along with Brodeur and Marc-Andre Fleury um, the thing that I, I love about Bennington he's so ruthless he's so tough he's so strong it's it's you know he, he makes saves off of shots that you would think were guaranteed goals. You know they got a two on zero. You know and Bennington's still able to make a save. And there's nobody at center ice to get a br- clean breakaway, and Bennington's still able to make a big play. It's incredible, and I think Bennington that's going to carry over in this series against San Jose. I think Bennington is going to be the hero in this series for two reasons: one, because I think he's going to be incredibly disruptive, and two, because I think he's going to be incredibly strong in net. And I think you're going to see a lot of saves, and I think it's going to frustrate the heck out of the Sharks. So I'm going to go with, I mean, I'm going with Bennington as well. Just because I'm not as big as analytics as y'all are, but I when I see a goalie play, it takes a lot to surprise me. What I've seen with Bennington, just to me, I'm, I am just starstruck. Every time I watch him, I'm astounded by how he plays. It's one of the best goalies I've ever seen. I will say that, yeah, he's probably one of the best goalies I've ever seen in my life. I know I've only been around here for 19 years. I feel but like still. that's a little bit of hyperbole, but... Well, for now, that is. How he's played recently. He's been one of the best this season, that's for sure. If this carries over in next season, I mean, you I mean, you think about it. This, this is a kid here. This is a 25-year-old kid, a rookie. You know, for a guy that's just, like, getting, you know, getting started in this league, that's the way he's playing right now. Oh, my goodness. I, I feel like I could go on all day about how great he is. This is just, it's just insane. I've never seen anything like this. And I have one final question. Winner of the series and how many games? Can you come back to me? I'm still kind of juggling this. I need I need a little bit of extra time to think about it. Me? Yeah, yes. We'll, we'll we'll come back to you, Logan. Michael, you're up. St. Louis in seven. Okay. I'm. This one. This one took me a little bit. I'm gonna say St. Louis in six. I don't know if I agree with you. Because hockey is unpredictable, and that's my main reason. I. I think St. Louis in six. I'm not going to argue with you. St. Louis and the Canes play in the cup. We'll see how this goes. I'm not going to argue with you. I understand. I this series has been this season has been unpredictable, top to bottom. Now, um, so we'll see. The thing is, I just called Jordan Bennington my hero of the series, and I feel like I can't choose against the Blues, but also I feel like I should choose against the Blues. <laughs> I am very torn about the series. Just know that, all you listening at home, I'm going to choose San Jose in seven. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Even though St. Louis has more road games and they've played unbelievable on the road. Yeah, I just think San Jose is a great team, and I don't know if St. Louis will be able to keep up. It's really tough. I really could have just as easily been as confident as saying— I could say St. Louis in seven and feel just as confident. I really don't feel strongly about either one of these teams being able to win the series. It's 51-49 for me in favor of St. Louis in terms of the betting odds. It's super That's just what I think. All right, and with that, we're going to head off to break. When we come back, we're going to talk some baseball here in Hot Corner. Listen to Hot Corner on KCOU 88.1 FM. If you love them enough to sit through their favorite boy band with them, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ag Council. KCOU would like to thank One to One Print Shop for their support. One to One outfitted our entire staff with custom performance polos and t-shirts, and they can do the same for your business or organization. To learn more, visit them at 1610 Paris Road or go to their website at one-to-oneprintshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. Thank you, One to One, for supporting KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. One question for y'all. What is that? Why are the twins good? I don't know. Like they're able to win seven of ten 
That to me is unbelievable. Just, when, when, I, when I scroll through the channels here on campus, I very rarely see anyone talking about the twins. To me, I feel like, you know, if the Angels were good, I feel like it would be the same thing. You know, I feel like the twins are just that kind of team in the central that's just like, yeah, they're good. But we're just not going to talk about it because they're not like, you know, really hot enough for the media. Um, honestly, I think that, you know, we said the central is pretty clear cut in the AL. We were like, you know what? It's going to be Indians, it's gonna by, be like Indians by like 10 games. Like, that's an easy one to do. It's like, yeah. Was, I mean, we, we kind of blew like, through twins? that. Twins? Who's going to pick the twins? Yeah, who's going to pick the twins? No one will do that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I Minnesota has been a complete and utter shock. I've I have not expected this. I really it's disappointing because no one's really talking about them. I've scrolled through all the channels and the proportion of people I think the Indians are still the most talked about team. They're not in first place. No, they're in second. But to like me three and a half games. Yeah, I mean to me it's like well, why is nobody talking about the twins? And, you know, you, I, I, I feel like I have to look at the standings now all the time because it's like, you know what, the team that they talk about really is not in first place, and so they don't, they don't really spend a lot of time on them. And that, to me, is, is, a bit of a, is a bit of a problem, obviously, because, you know, the best team is, should be the most talked about, especially because when they exceed expectations the way they did because they got guys like Nelson Cruz now. They, get, they got some big, big names on their team. And, you know, to me, it's just like they're just treating them like the L.A. Angels and... You know, either way, I don't think it's right. I think I think the Twins deserve some some praise for being for shattering our expectations beginning of the year with the expertise that we have. Yeah, and I think show. I think there's always very very high expertise. Okay, there's always a very like exciting team that just comes in and produces at a high level every year, and it's kind of just and even. In baseball, you kind of get these periods where a team is hot and then they're not. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Twins can uphold that. But I do think that it is very surprising what's going on. No one's really talking about them anyways. Yeah. And in the past seven days, their bullpen, and that, not just their bullpen, their, their whole pitcher, all their pitchers, have lowered their team ERA to 1.80 in the last seven days. That's ridiculous. And that's no one talks about them. How do you not talk about them? That's some of the it's best starting so pitching. so confusing. That, that's some of the best starting pitching I've ever heard of. I mean, you, you know, how do you not, you know, I mean, not even an honorable mention? Like, really? For, for as good as the Cubs been playing, because I want to talk about the Cubs. This is how yeah, hot they've been. That's okay. Their ERA in the past seven days is only a 2.73. Now, when I say only, I mean, that's still pretty good. But in comparison to the Better Twins, most teams. no one talks about them. Yeah. It's, it's just like the Rays. Everyone's like, you know, watch out for Boston and the Yankees. And there's the, Twins, and there's the Rays in first place. There are some teams that, and I will say this, you know, there are some teams that are not, you know, hot enough for the media. And to me, I think that the Red Sox and the Yankees are hot enough. They, they attract a lot of attention. They have the strongest fan bases that cling to them. I would argue that the Cubs have a very, very strong fan base that clings to them. I don't know why, um, you know, the, the Twins, I think they have a decent fan base over there. I don't know why this is the case. I really don't. I think that um, a lot of these teams, I mean, it, God, that ERA statistic is just outrageous. I cannot believe that's real. Um, but that, to me, is something that I think people have got to be like, hey, you know what, we need to spend a little bit of time talking about this because this is this is ridiculous. Seven and three of their last ten. Uh, you know what? I, 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 I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I really am. I, why? I mean, that, that's ironic, you know, talking about them and then I can't talk about it. There's, there's you know, only one thing I'm going to say. ridiculous. And I'm going to quote myself on this. I'm going to have, this is going to be my take for the Central. Twins are going to win the Central. I could see it. I feel like now that you've, you've, you haven't, like, said it, up until this point, and now you're saying it when they're in first, I feel like it kind of lost some of its um. I still, I still, I, I still, I still think could be it's saying a it little, because they're in first. No, it's it's more of the fact that for some reason, the Twins are playing good. Their pitching has been phenomenal. Their hitting has been decent. Not exactly a powerhouse hitting team, but they've been hitting. Defense wins championships. They're, they're hitting when they need to hit. I think in baseball, pitching especially, is pitching is very important. Oh, yeah. Pitching is. Pitching is a very important. Hitting is so hard to do in general that 
when your pitching is good, that's something you can hang your hat on and be like, hey, we're not allowing hits, we're not allowing runs, so we can afford to have a game where maybe we only score two runs or three runs. I think good starting pitching is so much fun to watch, and the Twins have just been overall so much fun to watch, and I think it's a shame that they're not talked about. I really do, because I'm just, I've enjoyed watching them. Um, but the thing is, is that, you know, there are some teams in that division, and for the Royals to be <laughs> talked about on a segment on a show when they're playing like they are, no offense to Kansas City, but I got to tell you, they're not in first place. They're not even close in first place. They're in last place. So to me, that that's an insult, I think, to Minnesota, because y- you have to be able to, um, the, the teams that are high performing, I know we have these big market cities that we just, we just have to, you know, that are hot enough for the media, but we've got to stick with the greatness here. And the twins resemble that. And I agree with you, Patrick. I think they might be able to keep this pace up the rest of the season. And if they do, I certainly think that this can be a clear cut AL central, just not for the Cleveland Indians for the Minnesota twins. So now we're going to go to the other central division in the national league and America's favorite division. And I want to just say, I am a very surprised fan for numerous reasons. You're a very reasons, happy fan. Reasons I will not get into because I don't want to talk about them. And I'm pretty sure our listeners are fully aware of what's going on around the Cubs at this past week. Whatever all that stuff may mean, I'm not going to get into we'll it. We'll stick to sports on here. The Cubs have surprised me in the, in the way they've displayed. I mean, you've seen the revival of Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. I say revival with so little quotation marks around mm-hmm. that because technically they've been pretty pretty good players the last couple of years but Brian's hitting good Rizzo's hitting good Brian had a time where he was he was leading with three home runs in three games the Cubs are turning into the team that everyone expect them to be I'm going to say this Patrick um and I think you're going to you're going to go nuts when I say it as a Cardinal fan I'm just going to tell you you guys are pretty fun to watch I'm not going to lie I, I'll take it as a compliment I know yeah I, I you know what and for me, that's judging by how I've reacted with Cubs comments on here. You know, to me, I think that it, it took me a lot to, to say that to you, but I'm not going to deny it. It's the truth. And to be honest with you, the walk-offs that you had with Miami were pretty darn sweet. I'm just going to tell you that. They, well, we had all we, they we had were Chris Chris Bryant with the yeah. three-run homer. Even the way had... you played against St. Louis, like I feel like a St. Louis fan would be upset, but. If you were a fan of baseball, like you love that. You love the backup catcher hitting the grand slam against Michael Walker when St. Louis is up five to one and they tied at five. You're a fun team. You're just enjoyable to watch. I don't know what it is. And it's hard to admit, but in reality, you are, you know, the the you are a lot of fun to watch. Um, you you win games in exciting fashion. You've got a team that's very, very talented on pitching and on hitting. And you're able to make big things happen late in games, and it's just it's just downright exciting. I don't know what it is. It's incredible. It's incredible. And one thing I've seen is the way the, the rotation is pitched. And I know you Darvish struggled last yesterday. Yeah, only only on five innings or four innings that is with more than about fifty percent of his pitches were balls. But yeah, that's putting it when mildly, you look at mildly. how. Kyle Hendricks pitched in the last two starts. 17 innings, no earned runs. John Lester, six innings, no earned runs. That's that's what you that's what the Cubs needed. Yeah, you guys are definitely hot right now, and I will tell you, um, it's it's pretty darn exciting. I mean, you, you know, you really have to be a baseball fan just to enjoy this. I mean, maybe you know, not a Cardinal fan, not a Pirate fan, obviously, but you know, I mean, looking at this from a baseball perspective, it is just fun to watch and. Um, whether or not I'm happy about it that you guys are in first place, I, I got to admit I'm not. But you know what? You know, real will recognize real. And you know what? You guys are you guys are amazing. Fun to watch right now. So now it's time for my favorite part of the segment of this week in baseball, the pitcher, hitter, and team of the week. I'm going to go first with my pitcher. And it's in, in, in my eyes, it was the easy choice. Mike Fires of the Oakland A's threw his second career no-hitter. He joins an elite club of pitchers that includes the names of Jake Arrieta, Nolan Ryan, and my personal favorite, Homer Bailey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Homer Bailey. But congratulations, Mike. Two no-hitters is quite the feat. Very. And just seeing that game against the A's, it was one of the best games to watch. Logan, you're up. My pitcher of the week is Chris Sale for the Red Sox. He had a rough start. He was kind of kind of iffy at the beginning of the season and he's managed to rebound this past week he 
pitched 14 innings, allowed six hits, one run, and had one walk. But And he also had 24 strikeouts, which is quite a bit, even for 14 innings pitched. So good job, Chris Sale. He's had a great week, and he's rebounded well. He's my pitcher of the week. Okay, Felix Pena, LA Angels, seven inning pitched, seven Ks, three hits. I'm done. That was fast. So, hitter of the week, here comes my, my streak of bias here. Chris oh Bryant. The main catalyst in the Cubs offense in the last couple, the last I week. I could see it. You got, you, three if, home you, runs, a walk-off three-run bomb on Monday. That's enough. That's yeah. all I need to hear. Logan, you're out. With, I went with Max Muncy of the Los Angeles Dodgers. 20 at-bats, 9 hits. It's a .45 average. Three home runs, eleven RBIs, and one stolen base. That's that's my hitter of the week. Also, I just have a quick honorable mention: Ryan Healy, my beloved Seattle Mariners. In the last game they played against the Yankees, not the two, the ten-one victory, they were he was four for five, one home run, and three doubles in that win, which is great. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Ryan Healy on job well done as well. Okay, um, I just want to go ahead and say this quickly. My hitter of the week, and this is this is going to interest you guys. His name is Jordan Luplau, outfield prospect, trying to prove himself. If that's how you pronounce his name, Jordan Luplau, for the Cleveland Indians. Okay, hit two home runs that were at least 420 feet deep. Okay, first player to do this since Edwin Encarnacion in 2015. Wow, trying to prove himself well, you sure in the outfield, that. trying to earn a spot. Hits. Multiple home runs in a game, and not only does he do, does he do that, but they were at least both were at least 420 feet shots. Kid's got ice in his veins. Yes, and now ice in his veins. for the final award, team of the week, my beloved Chicago Cubs. Okay, taking first place in the NL Central. What I will admit it. I chose related to my pitcher of the week. I chose the Boston Red Sox. They had a rough start, and they've rebounded. They're back to 500. And it looks like they're only going up from here. They're eight and two, eight and two in their last ten, and have only had two losses in the month of May. I mean, granted, it's early in the month, but two losses this month so far, and just they've been they've been great and they've been rebounding well. Um, I'm not a particularly huge fan of being wrong, but I will say um, I will have to pick the Twins because they shattered my expectations, and I just love watching good baseball, and it's fun to watch a team uh, completely go the opposite direction of where I thought they were going to go. Taking first place in the AL Central, 7-3 and three of their last 10. Love the Twins right now. They're very, very, they're on a hot streak. So, yeah. And with that, we're going off the break. We come back, the final word. You're listening to Hot Corner on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. Sassy. Today's episode, Rattlesnake at the Pond. Oh, no, a rattlesnake. Sassy, help. <laughs> You will, but first you want to talk about shelter pets? The majority of pets in shelters are there due to owner-related issues like divorce or allergies. Save us, Sassy! What, Sassy? You wish you were videotaping this? Sassy! Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down, throw my hands up and It's it's a very bittersweet moment here in the studio as we all raised our hands for the final playing of our beloved song, Shout. Our signal for our all our our favorite segment to do, the final word. So, as always, I'm gonna go first, and my story comes from a player. On the Cincinnati Reds. So as all y'all know, baseball is one of my favorite places to dig some some funny stories. But because of the long season, there is always something crazy to talk about. One of my favorite ones I've heard this year is about Reds hitter, utility man, Derek Dietrich. In case you did not know, Monday's Reds game was delayed because not of rain, snow, lightning, or all that stuff, because of bees. Yes, bees. Bees canceled the game for just a little bit of time. So... Being the character that Dietrich is, he came out in a bee suit and with a little water water sprayer was spraying at the bees, trying to speed up the process. And the Reds said one of my favorite puns of Derek Beatrich. Mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that's bad. But that's not... That's bad. This story does not end there. The following night in, in Oakland, the A's had problems with the lights. So Dietrich, being the man that he is, came out 
in attached with a belt of equipment that he could use to fix the lights. <laughs> now, the lights did go on without the help of Dietrich, but we hope you never change. You are the true definition of the utility man. <laughs> My I saw that sign that said game delayed because of bees this week, <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. I don't know if there's ever been a funnier reason for a game to be delayed than bees. I think that's, that's great. Derek Dietrich, never change. That's incredible. You're up. I'm assuming that... I'm pointing at at you, Michael. You're up. Yes. Um, So my hero of the week, his nickname is Spider-Man for a reason. Spider-Man is a hero. And this guy is definitely a superhero for what he did. Um, His name is Josh Reddick. Uh, You obviously know who he is for the Houston Astros. Robbed a three-run home run from, I think it was, right, it was Hunter Pence, I think. Um, And so they they had uh, a guy on first and a guy on third. The Astros were up four to two. Um, at home, and so a home run there would have meant that uh, the Rangers would have taken the lead, and Riddick prevented that from happening by making quite the catch. Um, so just shout out to him, my hero of the week, Josh Riddick. Thank you for confirming to us that Spider-Man is indeed a hero. That was that was kind of, like, I feel like we don't forget that Spider-Man's a hero. Yes, but they, they call him Spider-Man, and yeah, he's I just, my hero like, Spider-Man week. is a hero. I, I, it, I felt like that, I was but... trying to make a pun there, and it just kind of failed. It falled flat. Like somewhere in there, like it could have been better orchestrated. I feel like you know, you win some, you lose some. My, I feel like you've had a lot of stories from Ohio this semester, but my story comes to you from the great city of Kent, Ohio, where Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman, Super Bowl Fifty Three MVP, will be walking in graduation this this Saturday. He, it's been ten years since he left Kent State in two thousand nine, and. He was a seventh-round pick that obviously turned into a thousand-yard wide receiver and a Super Bowl MVP. So he posted on Instagram announcing the saying, "This Saturday, I'll be walking with my fellow Kent State graduates, completing what I, completing what I started back in '06. I want to set a great example for my daughter and complete a promise I made to my parents over ten years ago. To my fellow Golden Flash graduates, congratulations, and also congratulations to you, Julian Edelman. Getting a college degree is no easy task, and you've been up for it." Congratulations, Julian Edelman. From everybody on the show at the Hot Corner, congratulations, Julian Edelman. And I'd like to say a quick message to all our listeners out there. It has been a pleasure delivering you some of the best content in sports. It brings me down to some of my humblest points to say thank you for listening to the Hot Corner. We will be back, whether it be next semester or during the summer. Logan and I will be carrying the weight out in Elgin, Illinois, producing some more great content for y'all on our Spotify. So, for the final time, you can follow me, yours truly, at Patrick Carey, and you can follow Michael and Mommy, Eddie, Mommy, Michael, and Logan France at the Logan France. And stay tuned to our Twitter account at Hot Corner Sports for more updates about what we'll be doing this summer. So, with that, this has been the final edition of the Hot Corner. We thank you all from the bottom of our hearts for joining in every Friday at our early time of 8 o'clock in the morning. For the final time, this is The Hot Corner, signing off.